Welcome to Baptist Vices. This podcast is designed to engage the Baptist community in challenging thought. We hope to not just promote negative propaganda that is raised against Baptist thought, but to biblically analyze some of these thoughts and provide biblical solutions. We hope you enjoy today's program. And now your host, Dr. Steve Dameron. Welcome to Baptist Vices, and glad you could tune in to Baptist Vices today. Uh, we're sitting in Dover, Delaware, uh, beautiful weather uh, in the spring here in April of 2023. Who would have thunk that we'd be saying that, okay? But um, I'm glad that we're going to be able to have Dr. Bob Dalton with us in just a moment. He's been with us before. Dr. Dalton and I got acquainted over the last year. Um, He was a professor for numerous Bible colleges, and through that time, he became just an avid, I I would say, teacher, but then student, but then writer of Baptist history and a proponent uh, for sticking with Baptist distinctives, and so we're going to discuss Calvinism and Augustinian, the Augustinian roots of Calvinism, and I think it'll be enjoyable. So stay tuned as we discuss uh, the dangers, all right, the dangers of the tulip, and uh, especially its founder, Augustine. Thanks for tuning in to Baptist Vices. Well, it's great to have Dr. Bob Dalton with us again on the podcast, and so we're going to talk about the Augustinian hoax, and so I'm going to let Dr. Dalton talk. He just finished up a book in February, and so uh, why don't you talk about that book, and then we'll get into some thoughts about Calvinism and Reformed theology. Uh, Yes, the the book is a history of how... uh how Augustine persecuted the Donatists. The Donatists were sort of proto-Baptists. They believed very much like the modern Baptists uh, do as far as distinctives. And then uh, uh, it covers the history of how the Protestant reformers, uh, uh, Martin Luther and uh, Zwingli and Calvin, uh, persecuted the faithful people of God. Menno Simmons says that Calvin was a writer in blood, a man of blood, approve the um, persecution of the faithful people of God. And then I get into a, a chapter on the, uh, on the American Puritans. Yes. Uh, they persecuted uh, people like Ann Hutchison and others. Yes. And so the, that's basically the theme of the book is the title of the book is John Calvin, uh, the Pope of the Protestant Inquisition. Yes. The history of how Augustine, the Protestant reformers and the Puritans uh, persecuted the faithful people of God. Yes. It's a, it's a good read. Um, it is, it is historical. Um, uh, you you have a lot of research that you put into uh, this book. Well, you have a lifetime, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> you have a lifetime. Um, so getting into uh, reform. So basically, uh, John Calvin. Many people that 
uh, would hold to Reformed theology, go back to John Calvin and his institutes, and they would um, say that that is one of the foundations. Um, wouldn't that be correct? Yeah, yes, uh, yes. And Reformed theology basically is Augustine's synthesis of pagan theology with yeah. uh, Christianity. Yes. The pagans uh, were very used scripture, scripture uh, very heavily. Yeah. Almost every major point of uh, Calvinism is drawn out of the writings of the pagans, such as the Stoics and the Manichaeans and yeah. uh, the Gnostics and so on. Yes. So, um, one of the things. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to uh, the idea of John Calvin because you wrote on John Calvin, but your one of your beginning chapters is on Augustine, and some people may find that. Like, wait a minute, why are you writing about Augustine? Because the book is on John Calvin. And in your book and in your research, um, uh, maybe even use some of the quotes uh, that you have found. I know R.C. Sproul um, basically said that he wants to be uh, not called a Calvinist, but an Augustinian, and I don't, I don't even know how he says the term. Um, but they... You, when you read Calvin, what you find is that he garnered his theology from Augustine. Is that that's correct, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, of course, uh, Calvin's most important writing was his uh, book on theology called "The Institutes of the Christian Religion." Yes. Uh, historian Will Durant says one of the ten books that shook the world, and it's impossible to exaggerate the influence of uh, Calvin's. Uh, Institutes of the Christian Religion, yep. but uh, Calvin made the statement. He says that Augustine is so holy with me, if I were to write, I could write my entire theology out of Augustine's writings. Yes, that's what he said. Yes, and so uh, he quotes Augustine over probably between four and five hundred times in his Institutes of the Christian Religion. So he's certainly uh, the writings of Augustine. Uh, saturate his his writings yes calvin's writings so then let's consider augustine then uh first the one thing that i think and you point this out in your chapter on augustine uh he has a very sketchy uh testimony of salvation oh yes yes he uh, if you read his uh, salvation testimony we'd probably call it uh, psychobabble today yes and uh, he, uh, yeah, it's very, very weak. Um, he sees his model of uh, salvation in the, uh, in the, in an Egyptian monk who was an ascetic. Mm. And uh, uh, Saint Anthony of the Desert, as some of the church historians identify him. And yes, uh, yes uh, his whole um, salvation testimony is very, uh, very weak, yes. very feeble. All right. So then, the other thing about Augustine <laughs> that I think is pretty interesting. So. Uh, a sketchy salvation testimony. Then second, uh, the thing that I see is that um, he was he was trained in rhetoric, which at first we would say, oh, that's great. He was trained in speaking. But when you study back in his day what rhetoric meant, it was basically to persuade people. It was the use of language or speech to convince people. Yes, and it wasn't yes. necessarily he wasn't necessarily cha- trained in theology, he was trained 
in fact, most or, or some people say that Augustine, yes, you know, they, they bowed to him as far as his intellectualism, uh, but he wasn't trained as a theologian. Oh, oh no, no, he was not. Uh, in fact, he did not profess uh, his salvation experience until he was in his 30s. Hmm. And uh, so, and no, he was uh, very, very much self-taught in the area of theology. He was never trained uh, in any theology, let alone anything that's uh, sound and orthodox. Yes. And he um, he drew most of his theology from the Vulgate, which, as Erasmus said, swarmed with errors. Mm. So the Vulgate was very faulty, had all kinds of uh, problems with it. And then, of course, he was... Uh, probably best known for his uh, uh, allegorical interpretation of scripture, which he drew from Ambrose, one of his mentors. Hmm. And so his whole theological background is very, uh, very debatable. And uh, he, of course, he drew his theology from the Vulgate and from the, uh, basically he's, he's been called the father of Roman Catholic theology. Huh. And so his, uh, his writings are laced with the poison of uh, Catholic teachings. Yes. And in fact, um, most would consider Augustine a Roman Catholic. I mean, what, oh I'm, yes, he's considered yes, he's considered one of the four fathers of the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah, and so he's and so very yes, he's very much a. Uh, uh, in fact, he very he died a very hard Roman Catholic. His uh, his chief biographer Peter Brown says that with the passage of time, he became became more hardened in his Catholicism, his Catholic theology. Yeah. So he died a very yeah. dedicated Catholic kid. Yeah. So so what's interesting to me is and and in your research with uh John Calvin and even modern reformed people, they they don't shy away with tying to Augustine and Augustine is known as a Catholic. Sure. And, and that just it doesn't connect to me, but um I guess they don't have a problem with Catholicism, uh, then and Catholicism is a paganism. I mean, it's not, it's not Christianity. Sure. sure. Um, yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, if you, if you ever, in fact, ironically, as you debate the Calvinists, when they begin to feel under pressure and you, and you really begin to see the doubt, how they doubt their theology, they begin to, they begin to quibble with you. And then, uh, as a last resort, they call you a Catholic because you believe in free will. <laughs> well, free will is a term that was coined by the uh, the early church fathers. Every church father almost unanimously taught free will uh, to uh, as far as uh, salvation. You could hear the gospel and get saved by by faith, and uh, yet the um, yet the uh, Calvinist uh, no no founding no no early church father taught predestination to salvation prior to Augustine. Augustine died in 430 AD. So for the first 300 years after the church, everybody taught that you, every man had a free will, that he could accept the gospel or reject the gospel. Yeah. And so Augustine is going to be the first predestinarian. He's going to be the first to teach this idea that men are predestined to salvation before they're ever born. Mm. And so to me, that's one of the most difficult doctrines of Calvinism. It really kind of smears the character of God. They misrepresent God. Yes. They teach that, that God before creation and before the before one any anyone was ever born, that God that, that God descends, uh, creates and sends most people to hell. Yes. 
And that's a, to me, that's a real slander on the character of God, I think. Yes. So then uh, one of the things that um, you and I talked about um, over the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, you were out here in Dover, and um, uh, when you were out here in Dover, we were talking about a, a lot of different books. But one book that I thought was a very interesting was uh, Ken Wilson's book um, and his research. So I'm going to have you uh, just kind of uh, delve into that because that book and his research and what he kind of found and how he approached it uh, through his studies at, uh, I believe it was Oxford. So uh, yes. let's talk about that with uh, Ken Wilson. Yeah, uh, Dr. Ken Wilson um, did his doctoral dissertation at Oxford University in England on Augustinian Calvinism. And he read, uh, he read everything that Augustine ever wrote chronologically. He, he read everything in order. Augustine wrote over uh, uh, a thousand pieces of literature, and out of that, he also wrote to, came 200 books. Wow. And so Ken Wilson read everything that Augustine ever wrote. And uh, he concludes that Augustine, after 412 AD, changed his theology. Hmm and began to give uh, these uh, Calvinistic interpretations of the writings of Paul. And we, Calvin, of course, lived now. Calvin died in 1564. Augustine died in 430. So uh, Calvin drew from Augustine, uh, who, Augustine who lived about a thousand years earlier than Calvin. But uh, anyhow, the, um, I think this is the most powerful, persuasive argument against Reformed theology. Yes. But almost every major point of Reformed theology was drawn out of the writings of the pagans. Yes. Uh, the, the the Stoics and the Manichaeans and the uh, Gnostics and the uh, you know the neo uh, the neo Gnosticism and so on. Yes. And uh, to me, this is the most powerful argument against Reformed theology. Calvin uh, created a, a Augustine synthesized the writings of the pagans with Bible Christianity. And nobody interpreted the uh, writings of Paul in the, in the, as far as the Calvinistic interpretation till the fifth century. Isn't it strange that God would not give uh, salvation truth uh, to a man until uh, 300 years after the uh, canon was closed? Yeah. Uh, to me, this is the most powerful argument against Reformed theology. Nobody interpreted the Paul's writings uh, in the Calvinistic uh, uh, since until uh, until Augustine in the fifth century, hmm. uh, all these early church fathers believed in free will. They rejected what they call the, the determinism or the absolute uh, predestination doctrines of, of Calvinism. They all believed that man had free will. In fact, the those early church fathers coined that term free will. Hmm. They just took the Bible at the va at face value, and the Word of God says, "Whosoever will." <laughs> Let him come and let him be. Uh, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Nobody interpreted the writings of Paul like Calvin did until Augustine. You know that uh, the fifth century after the, in the after the canon was closed. Yes. So, um, going back to that uh, predestination, um, what was interesting is when we've been uh, talking about it and thinking about it. The, the idea of predestination, I had never tied that until you brought in the idea from Ken Wilson's study and that he found all this paganism there. And then light bulbs started 
going off and then connectors, you know. Um, there are pagan religions that basically teach fatalism. And that's predestination. Oh, yes. And yes. that's predestination. It's fatalism. I mean, yes. why do yes. anything? You know, I don't have right. any choice. And that's, you know. And that's where, uh, that's where it can, can end up, yes. Yes. Um, so I'm going to switch gears on it. So we see that with Augustine. They'll have to get your book and get Ken Wilson's book to find out more. We're just trying to whet your appetite out there. So then the other one, uh, a lot of your book deals then with John Calvin and Zwingli, um, uh, Philip Melanchthon, uh, Theodore Beza, uh, some of the others. And and what was interesting to me is um, the, and, and maybe it comes, I, I believe it would come from Augustinian beliefs, but what you find is their hatred and their intolerance for any opinion, even so much so, uh, so uh, that they will kill anybody. That well, they were certainly yes, oh yes, uh, Martin Luther, Zwingli, all these men advocated the death penalty for what what they called Anabaptists. Yes, uh, these these Anabaptists would be what we would call proto-Baptists. They they held what we call the Baptist distinctives. Yes. Now that doesn't mean that uh, you know some that term Anabaptist is sort of a generic term. There were some that uh, were eccentric and uh, were not really Baptists at all. But uh, everybody that uh, they who disagreed with them at one point they sort of uh, they they labeled them Anabaptists. It was meant to be a pejorative term that uh, these men were uh, heretics and uh, they were not to be tolerated and even executed if they persisted in their uh, in their teachings and so on. Yes. Um, so explain the uh, the the term the third baptism. I thought that was interesting too. Uh, this is uh, the third baptism was the death penalty for Baptist for rebaptizing. Uh, the Baptists did not believe that uh, that infant baptism was a a baptism at all. But, and if you really got saved and you got baptized a, a second time, mm-hmm. obviously a believer's baptism yes. would be the second baptism. And then the third baptism was uh, the death penalty of drowning for any Baptist who was um, convicted of uh, rebaptizing anyone. Yeah. Uh, the Anabaptists would rebaptize all the Lutherans and Catholics that got saved and came over to the Yes. To the Anabaptists. Yes. And so uh, that term uh, was uh, coined by uh, Archbishop Ferdinand, who was a great persecutor of the Anabaptists. He said if they want to, uh, in fact, Zwingli in his uh, hatred for the for the Baptists said that, well, let's give them a let's give them a third baptism, <laughs> meaning let's let's drown them. And yes. So the Anab- uh, Zwingli drowned seven Anabaptists. And he called that a third baptism. If they want, he said, if they want to go under, then let's put them under. <laughs> so he was—he showed his disdain for the Anabaptists and his support for the death penalty for rebaptism there in in Zurich, Switzerland. Yes. Well, I appreciate your time uh, taking time to just talk through this. Uh, I I know just in um, talking with you and studying together uh, over the really over the last number of months. Um, I've just, I've realized more and more just the dangers of Reformed theology and how it weaves in and it kills things. It's the death of churches. 
Um, yeah, it can be it can be very very divisive. It's really split a lot of churches. Yes. And, and given uh, given time, it'll, it'll it has a great killing effect on churches as well if it's not yes not handled properly. Yes. I might add that if anyone's interested in my book, I just have them. Uh, uh, they've got something to write on. Just write down my. Uh, just give me a. Uh, it's uh, my uh, email is uh, bjdalton752 at aol.com. All right. So let's say that. To, let's say that one more time. B. All right. It's uh, it, the cost of the book is twenty five dollars plus uh, four dollars shipping. Okay. But uh, if they're interested in the, in a copy, then just. Uh, Email e- email me at bj dalton all small letters bj dalton seven five two at aol dot com. All right, so bj dalton that's d a l t o n seven five two at aol dot com. And so, prayerfully, yes. some people yes. will grab that book. It, it's been um, it's been uh, a joy going through that book. Uh, just a, a reminder of uh, really our heritage as Baptist, uh, but then how um, wrong doctrine uh, we can accept independent Baptist um, and Baptist. Our heritage is that we we more than anybody know religious toleration, uh, and you sure. we are seeing a dearth of that, especially in America. In America, we're seeing a dearth of that. Nobody can handle nobody can handle any disagreement. If you disagree with somebody, you shoot them, or you burn their yeah. place down. I mean, it's just yeah, we're, we're, yeah. I believe Christians are going to see some real uh, persecution. Yes, with the passage of time, and uh, well, we're really seeing it already. Yes, we are. So, uh, thanks for your time, Doctor Dalton. Thanks for being well, with thank us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Baptist Vices. We trust you were challenged to find a biblical path for navigating through some differences within Baptist churches. Join your host, Dr. Steve Dameron, next week for another engaging podcast. May God richly bless you.